In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Gospel reading tells us of the rich young ruler who came to Christ, asking what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And Christ responds with the obvious, obey the commandments. When the fellow answers that he has kept the commandments from his youth up, Christ adds one more thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. In short, what Christ is asking of this man is a total commitment of his time, talents, and treasures. But it is a commitment that he cannot make. St. Mark's Gospel records in its account of this meeting, But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, all the gospel accounts are silent as to the young ruler's deeper motivation, just why his having such great wealth would prevent his doing what Christ asked. The obvious inference is that he was selfish and greedy, that he was addicted to the lifestyle that his riches enabled him to have for himself. And this is certainly quite probable since he was directed to distribute it all to the poor. That is, to think of others and benefit others besides himself. Yet surely there were other emotions at work as well. Fear, for example. He was afraid because he knew that he would not be able to continue living as he was doing were he to follow Christ in this matter. Now this is a selfish fear a wrong type of fear. Yet fear can also be a good thing. After all, God provided for the emotion of fear in the makeup of human nature precisely so that human beings would be thoughtful and careful, weighing the consequences of their actions so that they would not do rash or dangerous things. And this more so because fear need not be only for oneself. People who have families or who have any sort of responsibility for others can certainly feel fear for them, feel fear that wrong decisions on their part will negatively impact those for whom they care and have responsibility. Now these are legitimate concerns and certainly any of us cannot be faulted for this. That is, fearing for others and cannot be faulted for this. After all, fearing for others breaks out of the sort of selfishness Christ saw in the young ruler who came to him. Now, it certainly goes without saying that we live in a time of great uncertainty. The economic situation today quite justifiably causes us to fear for the well-being of our families and loved ones. But it's also true that Christ is asking of us a very similar commitment of time, talents, and treasures when it comes to this parish community, which has been planted here for us, this parish community that has been given to us as a place for us to work out our salvation and our theosis, becoming partakers of divine nature, God's by grace. Christ is not asking us to sell everything, our homes, our cars, and to go live on the street. St. John Chrysostom makes the point in his commentary that the particular demand Christ made of the young ruler was precisely that. It was made of the young ruler. That is, it was tailored for his unique situation. 
To absolutize that directive would be to ignore and dismiss real and uniquely diverse situations, particularly human beings, find themselves in during the course of their Christian lives. And this same point may be made, indeed, of other parts of scriptures or of the writings of the fathers, which appear to be somewhat extreme. Nevertheless, Christ is asking us to look at this parish community situation frankly and soberly, particularly in light of the budget which is presented at the General Assembly. And he is challenging us to give more of our time, talents, and treasures to it. The question is, how do we bring ourselves to do this, particularly when we rightly have cause to fear for the economic safety of our own immediate families, perhaps giving less to the parish because we feel we must save more for them. And again, this is quite an understandable position, and it is essentially not a blameworthy one at all. Yet Christ asks us to reconsider it. How? The answer also is provided in today's parable, in today's gospel. Christ said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Simple words, yet so hard to believe. We know intellectually that they are true, but a lot of times we act as if we are not quite sure in our hearts that they actually are true. Now we all know this. The thing is, God knows this as well. Too often we castigate ourselves for not having faith. We think that if we simply had faith, we would believe these things and act accordingly. But belief itself is not enough. God knows this because we are not just minds. He created us as physical beings, physical and spiritual beings, a union of both. So we need both the mind and the physical to act for the Lord. Now, since God knows this very well, he has provided us with physical assurances that these, were, these words are true. All the miracles, the healings that are recounted in Scripture have as part of their purpose precisely such physical assurance. And yet Scripture is old, and here we are in the here and now. But even today, we are not without such physical assurances. A few months ago, we heard the direct testimony of a couple members of our parish concerning God's action on behalf of their daughter and their then unborn grandchild. This, which was described, is a major life-redefining type of action on God's part. Now, some of the rest of us may have experienced similar type, types of actions in our lives. Others may not have. Yet even those who may have experienced God acting in their lives in smaller, quieter ways, nevertheless know that God has acted. We all need to reflect back on our experiences, finding those physical assurances of God's care for us, that we may let go of the fear that we have and give more of our time, talents, and treasures 
to this parish, our church home, where we as human persons, soul, body, unities, are saved and deified in communion with each other. Amen.